This is our last day together, day five, in our look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Remember yesterday we talked about how to live with unselfish love, how to be different in our relationships. And in these last verses of this chapter, Peter comes back, as he often does in this letter, to look at Jesus. This is how you should live, he says, and then he looks at Jesus. This is who you are, he says, and then he looks at Jesus. This is how to love, he says, and then he looks at Jesus. He's modeling for us how to live the kind of life that Jesus calls us to live. You look at Jesus. He'd learned to do this as a disciple. They were following Jesus. He said to do this, so they had to look at Jesus in order to follow Jesus. They literally had to look at him. If he's going to go in that direction, down that road, they better have their eyes up so when the why in the road came, they could see which way Jesus went. Which way does Jesus want you to go? You got to look at Jesus. You look at who you're trying to love today, and then you look to Jesus to give you the strength to love them. You look at what God's calling you to do today, and then you look at Jesus to give you the strength to do what he's calling you to do. So here's what he says in verses 21, 23, as he looks at Jesus. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So Peter says here, when it comes to relationships, even the tough relationships, the worst, Jesus is our example. He says, Jesus did not retaliate even when he was insulted. So you are not to retaliate. That is not the way of a follower of Christ. I know it's the way of all the TV shows and movies today. It's how we get our entertainment when somebody retaliates and we feel so justified inside when they retaliate and they seem to have solved everything in the two-hour movie or the one-hour TV show. And I enjoy that kind of entertainment too. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of life is, nothing is solved by retaliation. The truth of life is, we're looking for eternity And the only way to give an example that's going to change my life, keep my heart from getting bitter, and change the person's life who is struggling and who's hating me is to show them the example of love. So Jesus didn't retaliate. I'm to be like Jesus. Notice Peter says he didn't threaten even though he suffered. So you're not to threaten. That's not the way of a follower of Christ. We don't threaten. We don't say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to get even. No, we just love. We continue to love. Now, how do you do that? Peter even says, here's how you do that. Remember Peter, who was there, who was there. Now, he denied Christ three times when he was there, but he was there watching Jesus go through these trials there when Jesus died on the cross. He's talking about the way that Jesus lived and you and I living in that kind of way. How did Jesus do this? Peter says, here's how. He entrusted himself to God. So you're not to retaliate. You're not to threaten. You're to entrust yourself to God. That's the real issue. The real issue is, am I going to take this into my hands or am I going to trust it into God's hands? When you're insulted, when you suffer, the feeling you have, the emotion you have is someone has to do something about this. And you know, that's a right emotion. That's a godly emotion because it's unjust what has happened to you. It's wrong what has happened to you. So you are exactly right to feel that way. Someone has to do something about that. But the question is, who is that someone? Is that someone going to be you or is it going to be God? 
Now, if you think you can do it, you're going to find yourself eaten up by that because we cannot retaliate without it wounding our soul. We can't threaten without it hurting our heart. So that's why we entrust it to God. When you look at the way that you live life, in one sense, there are three ways to live your life. You can live the out-of-control life, the in-control life, or the under-God's-control life. When I have anger, I can live out-of-control, in-control, or under-God's-control. When my anger is out of control, I act to hurt those who have hurt me. It just explodes. And we all know somehow as a Christian, well, that's not right. That, that, that's, that's, that's wrong. But then a lot of us go to the second option. We live the in-control life. We hold it in. We think about it all the time. We wonder what bad could have happened to this person. We run it over and over and over again in our minds, and it eats away at you. Nobody sees it on the outside. You seem to be in control, but the truth of the matter is you have not let it go. You know you haven't forgiven them. If somebody asks you, have you forgiven, you might say yes, haltingly. But in your heart, you know you haven't let it go. You don't feel like you can let it go because what they did was wrong. They need to pay for it. That's the in-control life. It's in some ways worse than the out-of-control life because it eats you up from the inside out. There's a third way to live. It's under God's control. That's where you find the strength to forgive and let it go because you realize that that person, all of life, all of eternity, all of me is under God's control. And because he is in control, I can trust it to God's control. Peter is talking about Jesus here and looking at Jesus. And I love what he says in verse 24 because it tells you where you find the power. I'm always looking for, how do I do this? I mean, these are great sounding words, but how do I live in this kind of way? Verse 24 tells you where to find the power to love like this, to live with this kind of unselfish love. This verse says, he, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Where do you find the power to live like this? You remember three things. First, he bore your sins, so you don't have to bear them yourself. You don't have to bear the burden of your sins. He bore them. Second, he did that so that you could die to those sins and live for righteousness. He did it for a purpose, to give you forgiveness, die to your sins, but also so that you could live for righteousness. Righteousness means a right relationship with God, living the right way in your life so that you have right relationships with other people. Everything becomes right in the way that you live. Now, not every circumstance becomes right. While we're in this world, we're going to face some wrong circumstances. But everything becomes right in the way that you live because he bore your sins. And then this incredible phrase in Scripture, by his wounds, you have been healed. Unless you're healed by his wounds, you don't have the power to love unselfishly. When you're living with wounds that you're trying to heal on your own, you're not going to find the power to be unselfish. You're too caught up in your wounds. And by the way, if you're trying to bear your sins on your own, trying to make up for them on your own, you're not going to have the power to be unselfish. You're carrying too much weight in your daily life. And the fact that we carry this weight or we live with these wounds causes many of us to feel powerless in being unselfish. But he bore your sins. By his wounds you have been healed so that you can live for righteousness. That's how it happens in my life and your life because of what Jesus has done. And so then you get to verse 25, the difference that Jesus makes. Verse 25 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned 
to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's who Jesus is. He's the shepherd and overseer of your soul. What's going on inside of you? He's the one who can shepherd, guide you, who can put you in the right direction. He's the overseer who can be the Lord over even the most ugly feelings and thoughts that you have in your life. He's the shepherd and overseer of your soul. I love, I love in this verse, verse 25, the two words, but now. They're some of the most beautiful words in scripture. You see them again and again and again. In John 9, verse 25, a blind man replied, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know, but one thing is true. I was blind, but now I see. Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Ephesians 5, 8, for you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Colossians 1, but now God has made you his friends again. He did this through Christ's death in the body so that he might bring you into God's presence as people who are holy with no wrong and with nothing of which God can judge you guilty. And then again, 1 Peter 2, 25, you were like sheep that wandered away, but now you've come back to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Our Father, as we pray, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus is the shepherd, the overseer that our souls need. We're not trying to figure this out on our own. We're not trying to make it work on our own. Jesus is not some example on the outside that's 2,000 years away from us or a heaven and earth away from us, and we're trying to figure out how to live the life you called us to live. Jesus, you're here with us. You are the shepherd. You're the overseer. And so we pray, shepherd our souls in the direction of knowing you better and loving other people more today. Guide our souls in the direction of having a deeper faith today. We need your guidance. We need your direction. We need your power. And we ask for it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, join us next week for 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to continue to talk about unselfish relationships. And we're going to also tackle what many people call the most difficult to understand passage in the entire New Testament. <music>